everyone, and welcome to The Swear Jar, the official podcast of the Academy of Business Communications, where we tell it like it is about corporate and employee communications and occasionally use colorful language to raise money for worthy causes. My name is Elizabeth Williams. And I'm Andrew Brown. And today we're going to tackle one of those insidious things that can hamper the effectiveness of communications professionals in any organization regardless of shape, size, age, industry, or geographic location. And I'm speaking specifically about something that we call measurement theater. We will define it, talk about why communications professionals should care, how you can identify if you're subject to its unpleasant pull and tactics for avoiding it if the curtain rises on measurement theater in your organization. You know, we really should have found somebody like John Houston to, to do the voiceover <laughs> for measurement theater, like, like, you know, like masterpiece theater. You just felt more cultured just watching the introduction. So I like masterpiece theater. Measurement theater is, is a whole lot less interesting, um, but it is important to understand for communicators. And, and when we talk about it, we're really talking about two things. We're talking about when we become more concerned with being seen to be gathering, analyzing, and reporting on our important employee-related metrics, whether or not we're actually doing it, or when we are doing it, but the data that we're gathering isn't actually particularly useful in terms of supporting organizational goals or actually sometimes anything at all. Sad but true. You and I have shared with our clients and in our blogs and other episodes of The Swearger about the importance of being seen to gather, analyze, report on key employee communications metrics. And that's certainly something where employee communications professionals often play a key role. And doing so sends some important messages, right? Such as, you know what? Employees are indeed valued and they play an important role in shaping organization-wide policies. Measuring employee sentiment, opinions, behaviors also demonstrates that employees are in fact being heard. And we know that being heard is critical for employees. In fact, just as an aside, listening was a topic of a recent episode of The Swear Jar called Shut Up and Listen that just went live shortly. And it's so critical to employ communication success that we'll be launching a 90-minute workshop on how to help communications professionals listen productively and systematically. Back to the point, as you say, measurement theater occurs when the scale tilts to where being seen to do things takes precedence over genuinely learning from measuring and taking concrete actions. Let's talk a little bit about some of the reasons that communicators end up doing measurement theater. Mm. And first, I think there is the general theater in most organizations that we can only manage what we can measure, which I think is complete horseshit and something for another podcast, another mm -hmm. day. Uh, and nowhere is that message more loudly heard than before, during, and after the dreaded employee engagement survey. We need John Houston for that one too. And before we dive into that steaming pile, let's look at the other reason communicators end up dressing up as statisticians and that's because their boss says they have to. Oh, yeah, that happens all the time. You know, you report into marketing or HR teams, and they justify their existence once a month with a bunch of metrics that get escalated. Then they 
ask the comms team to put a few numbers together. And the comms team usually says, you know what, uh, not so much, mostly because comms teams have few measurement tools and fewer still want to tie what they do to larger goals. And often they can't because some of the metrics are outside of the communications department. But the excellent point that should be made is that budgets are determined by ROI. That's a reality. So they've got to put something on a dashboard and then escalate it up to their supervisors. And I can tell you that I am guilty as charged. I have done that on more than a few occasions. And I learned in bigger organizations in particular that it didn't matter so much what I measured, but that mm. I showed improvement month over month. As long <laughs> as I could make that damn line go up and to the right, everybody was happy and they leave me alone. And, and so I would grab a bunch of BS metrics like the open rates on emails or the sentiment feedback on the last town hall or this was a favorite of mine, the number of people who had user IDs on our intranet, which was basically every new employee. And so as long as things were moving up and to the right, I could have been populating that thing with batting averages from the Red Sox, the price of cashews or UFO sightings on full moons. Nobody cared and it was total theater and no one ever said a word, no one ever asked me what the metrics meant or even why or how I measured them. It was ridiculous. And you know, why and how the metrics are gathered and how they're portrayed are essential questions, right? It comes down to what's being valued within an organization. And it comes up throughout that dreaded engagement survey. And again, that's going to be a topic for another podcast. But let's use that as an example also of how measurement theater plays out in an organization. Oh, my blood pressure like just went up 10 points. As soon as you said engagement survey, I immediately I have this atavistic response to those two words from far too many years of living under their shadow. And, and I think the biggest theater around an engagement survey is that it's meaningful at all. Mm -hmm. But we know that executive bonuses are often tied to these 20-year-old mm -hmm. surveys. So let's dive into that one. Yeah. I have a story. I, I remember... <laughs> sitting in the readout for a particularly poor engagement survey in, in one company where I worked. And the leadership team mostly just sat staring at the very dismal numbers on the screen. They were indisputably horrible. But then they, the consultant who did it went into the qualitative, right? So there had been thousands and thousands of comments mm -hmm. and they had kind of pulled out some of the meatier ones. And as soon as those comments came up, the whole room got into this very spirited discussion, not about what the comments said, nor what they could do about them, but trying to figure out who had said them or which team had contributed them. And never mind that the comments were all about a toxic environment full of bullies and racists. These executives were so much more interested in trying to figure out who among their 3,000 plus employees were saying such horrible, hurtful mm. things in the engagement survey. And so, of course, the first outcome was that all this important information was ignored. And the overall validity of the survey was completely negated. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that as soon as you ask people what they think, you set up an expectation that you will act on it. And we call that not, you know, survey fatigue exactly, but bullshit fatigue because so often there is no action taken. Yeah. That's, you know, that measurement theater, what you were 
experiencing it, again, it, it's grating. And, and I suspect all of our listeners are going, yeah, I've been there. They may be asking themselves, okay, uh, so what? It's, it's reality. What if the folks organizing and promoting employee communications related measurements initiatives like the Employment Engagement Survey are unwilling or ill-equipped to measure what's important or in your case, report on it accurately or uh, to your point about bullshit fatigue, uh, actually take the right action. Elizabeth, what would you say to our fearless communicators that are going, ah, you know, it happens, so what? Well, unfortunately, despite it happening and despite the incredibly poor role model that I am on that front, I, <laughs> I can tell you from personal experience, there are some pretty negative consequences of that. And the truth is that employee communications folks can be hurt by any or, or all of them. For instance, mm. we have the erosion of trust in the measurement processes. And that means that employees are much more reluctant to share genuine thoughts and insights. Mm -hmm. And that in turn helps drive disengagement further into the toilet. I would add that the communications used become seen as BS, which they basically are. And then further, the people managing the communications are seen as BS perpetuators, which mm -hmm. is not good news. And then, of course, the leaders, both in HR and right across the organization, their trust begins to erode. And so bottom line on measurement theater is that it can really be a bit of a gut punch to whatever trust you've managed to build up across the organization. Yeah, that's sadly true. We've always held that building and sustaining trust throughout organizations should be a primary objective of any communications professional. And you know, just as an aside, that's why we are offering customized training on this critical issue for those organizations who are seeing signs that there is a trust gap. But you know what, I'm always blown away by how quickly well-intentioned efforts to measure can completely devolve into measurement theater where trust in people doing the measurement, the measuring process, the communications about measuring, as you say, and the outcomes of the measuring is ultimately destroyed. That is sad. And that does make life more challenging and sometimes completely impossible for communications professionals. Well, and let's not forget that the measurement, whether you're doing an employee engagement survey or any other initiative, is really, really expensive and takes a ton of time. So we really need to be focusing on preventing measurement theater. And mm. that, I think, requires us to be able to recognize when the curtains are beginning to rise on it. So I, I, I ask you, Andrew, what have you found to be the most obvious signs of the curtains creeping upward on some measurement theater? Uh, you know, there are several, but here are a few of the things that I've seen as being fairly common symptoms or signs. Employee communications metrics that are gathered take you know, absolutely forever before they filter to those who are actually involved in collecting them or who uh, will use them. And that's because the metrics have come back with results people don't like, and someone is using the findings to protect their reputation within the organization or their department's pets projects. 
So that's one thing, if it's taking forever. Budgets, people, or processes used to collect meaningful employee communication metrics are slashed without an explanation. That's another. Keep data uh, that may surface a person's or a department's weaknesses. That data isn't discussed, it's minimized, it's deleted, it's ignored. Related to that, uh, when data is being used as a weapon to kick someone or some department or some project to the side, chances are you're in the midst of measurement theater. When more emphasis is placed on minor or incremental findings and consequences rather than on issues or policies that make a real difference, that's measurement, that's a sign that the curtains are up on measurement theater. And measurement of important employee insights is when it's seen as a, a you know a tick box exercise so that leadership can claim you know what ha successful we're listening when that happens you're participating in or part of measurement theater so those are the ones that i've seen have i missed any signs that that you've seen where the curtain is up on measurement theater a couple. I, I would just add to your comment about, you know, the budgets and people and processes that collect communications metrics are just whacked without explanation. And I think that that comes in many cases out of this fallacy that executives know what's going on. And so really it's just a nice to have and not a meaningful activity to measure employee sentiment. And then I loved your um, being used as a weapon and this whole sort of shooting the metrics messenger. So mm. you create an additional layer of theater because nobody wants to take the bad metrics. Right. And that's probably why they outsource engagement surveys so that nobody is the one who's wearing that <laughs> shit show. But I, I would add also that some organizations collect employee communications metrics, but they only do it once a year mm -hmm. rather than having an ongoing and, and thoughtful strategy so that they can not just collect, but act on new information in a meaningful way instead of waiting for this annual survey. And, and I think that if, if that's going on, then the chances are that you've got some measurement theater going on in your organization. Yeah, very true. You know, I think of that. And, I, and again, I'm thinking about our fearless communicators listening right now, and they're caught up in it, uh, or they've seen it. And they must be wondering, why does this happen in the first place? Like, what's, what gives birth to this? What are your thoughts on that? Mm. Well, I think an underpinning, of course, is the thing we're always talking about, which is communications in many organizations just isn't viewed as a strategic thing. They view it as a tactical thing. But more specifically, I think it's, it's, it's a bit more difficult than that to nail down. And, and there are things, though, that there are always present when measurement theater is in play. And the first mm. is a lack of willingness to act on measures, so creating that bullshit mm -hmm. fatigue. A lack of meaningful budget to collect, analyze, and report on measures. A SurveyMonkey account does not constitute a robust measurement <laughs> uh, culture. I think a lack of skills to recognize the need to go out and validate data. Mm -hmm. So even if you've got a reasonably good little chunk of data, sometimes it doesn't have meaning unless you go out into the organization and take the time and the budget to validate why it is and to validate in fact that it's accurate. 
And finally, I think there, in many organizations, there's just a culture where transparency is not cool. And metrics, of course, um, when they're not theater, really shine a bright light on everything that's good and bad in an organization. So if you're not loving transparency, then the first victim would be any kind of measurement. <laughs> Quite right. It makes sense, given what we've talked about so far, that the next thing we're going to tackle is... If you're a communications professional, what can they do when they find themselves a willing or unwilling participant in measurement theater? Yeah, just before we get to that, let's take a minute and shamelessly shill uh, a few things that we think our listeners will find useful. Uh, the first and most relevant, of course, is we mm. are launching a 90-minute workshop on employee communications metrics. You heard it here first. The purpose of this course is to arm communicators with tools and the frameworks they need to focus on the metrics that will actually prove to their overlords beyond any doubt or any theater that the communications are bringing real value to the organization. That's a great workshop. And, and we've also launched a 90-minute workshop on corporate storytelling to help employee communications professionals really hone their storytelling skills. Oh, and we also have this awesome workshop on how to leverage online employee reviews. And each of these workshops, so our fast-paced 90-minute workshops, is $99 Canadian. But, you know, as a listener of the Square Jar podcast, you can save 10% right off the top. So check out these workshops at academyofbusinesscommunications.com. And use the promo code SWEARJAR, that's all one word, when you register. Excellent. Yeah, we're having so much fun uh, with those courses and we're, we're getting some great feedback. So back to measurement theater. Measurement theater may have been playing in your organization for years, if you're new to the organization, and in areas that go way beyond just employee communications. But there are some really basic steps that you as a fearless communicator can take to reduce its hold on how employee communications is measured uh, and, and how the data is collected and promoted and used. And I would say the first thing is go get some buy-in from your supervisor on a listening strategy. Mm. And we, we have a, a great podcast, Shut Up and Listen, on that. Because when the uh, executive team is committed to actually listening instead of pretending to listen, data becomes a lot more important to that right. endeavor. I think we want to make sure as well that we're involving employee representatives like frontline managers so that they can uh, weigh in on the reasons for and the integrity of the measurement initiative and how the data is being interpreted. At the end of the day, they do most of our communicating for us. So we need them on site as well uh, mm -hmm. to, to make sure we're measuring the right things because we talked about some of those BS metrics and often we're not asking the right questions or measuring the right things. And frontline managers are, and employees are great places to, to start with that. We should make sure that we are using um, good tools, more than one tool, to ensure that the measurement findings are validated, right? So more than just a survey or more than just one metric you pulled randomly out of your, your email analysis, we really need to have a bit of rigor around what we measure and how. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to make sure that there's budget so that we can actually act on the findings. And I think this goes back to the whole bullshit fatigue which is if you're not prepared to make any kind of changes, don't even ask the questions because you're simply setting up a, a false expectation that something will happen. And I would say that if you are in a department that's glued to measurement theater, you may have to distance yourself. And that may mean 
uh, giving them some communications templates so that you're not actually seen to be part of that because that's, I don't think that's something you necessarily want on your resume, you know, made up data and put it on a pretty <laughs> dashboard every 30 days. Check. What else? What other tactics do you think uh, are effective for that? Uh, you know what? There are two other things that I would say. The first one is, you know, start small. You won't be able to close the curtains on measurement theater in one go. But what you can do is start on one small-ish measurement project where you can ensure complete discipline and integrity and its findings are shared appropriately, understood, and actually acted upon. So start small. That's okay because you're building trust and credibility in the measurement process and all the assets around it. And I think, I think it's really important to have a mantra. And that mantra should be, only measure what you value. And, you know, thinking back about our met metrics course, that entire workshop is really about helping people demonstrate the value that they bring to organizations. And every organization may value something slightly differently. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that we talk about in that workshop is there are two kinds of metrics. There's the internal communications metrics, the ones mm -hmm. we keep inside the department that just tell us how well we're doing, how efficiently we're working. They're not the things that we would share widely because nobody cares. And then there's the ones that people do care about, which have to do with, you know, sentiment and messages and trust and all of that. So another place to start would be if you don't want to stick your neck out in front of everybody is pick a couple of metrics that you want to work on and just measure for yourself. Yeah. Be good at it and, and figure out uh, not just that you can measure them, but why you're going to measure them and, and how they tie to your organizational goals and your departmental goals. I think that's the topic there. So as always, why don't we review what's caught our attention over the last little while? What are you reading, Andrew, or watching or listening to or binging or yeah, <laughs> I got, I've just drinking. Little, yeah, <laughs> I've gotten a little lazy uh, lately, so I've spent some time on YouTube. But I saw this uh, great YouTube uh, clip, and it's about uh, 40 minutes. It's by Chris Voss. He's the author of Never Split the Difference. And Chris was a negotiator, a hostage negotiator for the FBI. I mean, talk about high stakes, right? And he really places a huge emphasis on really understanding the people that you are negotiating with. And, you know, employee communicators, our fearless communicators are constantly in negotiation. Sometimes they're subtle and sometimes they're more overt. And so Chris has got some really curious lessons and some practical tools, particularly for high stress situations. Again, that's Chris Voss, V-O-S-S. His book, Never Split the Difference. And he's spoken at TED Talks. So check him out on YouTube. Mm, yeah, I think I've seen that TED Talk. It's, it's pretty good. I've just finished reading a, a wonderful piece on LinkedIn by Mike Klein, who is one of my very favorite thinkers on internal communications. Um, he's out of the UK and I think has recently relocated to Iceland of all places. Uh, but he wrote a great piece on whether internal communications actually managed to cement a place at the strategic table during the recent uh, and apparently endless COVID pandemic. 
And that's a topic, of course, we're going to tackle soon on this podcast. And I, I yeah. came across it while I was doing some research. So we will link to that and to the Chris Voss book and video in our show notes. Oh, that's awesome. And that's it for us. A shout out to Peter Linsman, our editor extraordinaire, and Simon Gladstone, who is our website visionary. Elizabeth, as always, thank you. And for all our listeners of the Swear Jar podcast, stay fearless. Bye for now.